well, I want to thank you for, uh, for coming on the podcast. I know coming on and sharing your story um, can be quite an emotional one. Uh, so I guess real quick, I probably should give a, a trigger warning for people who may um, find this uh, to be upsetting or emotional. emotional. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry I wasn't here when you first got here. Oh, it's okay. Um, did you get out of work early? Uh, kind of, yeah. I, I was in between sites and, you know, ran out of time. So. Well, thanks for doing this. I really, again, appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Um, so for the audience, do you mind kind of telling tell them who telling them who you are and uh, where you're from? Sure. And we'll so, get into um, your story a little bit. Yeah. So my name is Seamus Smith. I'm the president of the League of Enchantment, which for... Oh, I'm sorry. Can you uh, pull this, like, two inches away from your mouth? How about there? That's good. All right, I can start over. Okay. So um, my name is Seamus Smith, and I am the president of the League of Enchantment. For uh, people who don't know what that is, if you've seen news stories where there's superheroes or princesses visiting kids in hospitals or hospice or working with Make-A-Wish or American Cancer Society, that's who we are. We are the superheroes. We are Batman and Wonder Woman, but we're also princesses like Elsa and Anna and just characters. We even have furries and people like that. And we go to all of these events. We go to hospitals to help bring light and life to kids, to help with healing, to bring positivity, as it were, into these horrible circumstances that kids, families, parents, doctors, nurses are all going through. That's our main mission. I, I, that's that's something that... um. I mean, when you walk into a hospital and you see kids who, uh, you know, are suffering from cancer, you know, I can't imagine what that would be like for them. And I'm assuming that when they see somebody who they could look up to, like a like a Batman or like my son, uh, he, he right. loves um, the Hulk. Right. Um, I don't know if you dress up as a Hulk at all. Uh, but No, we have a buddy named Nick Caprone out of uh, Pennsylvania who actually dresses as a Hulk. Okay. Um, Nick is six foot four, 385 pounds, and has the second largest biceps <laughs> in the world. Wow. He's a professional bodybuilder who paints himself green because his son went through brain cancer. Wow. And he found showing up and the kids just mistaking him for Hulk. Why not paint myself green and become the Hulk? And it has turned into his mission now. He works from Pennsylvania all the way down to Florida with, like, Make-A-Wish, Rainbow Homes, um, Ronald McDonald House, and a variety of hospitals doing visits as the Hulk. That's got to be so emotional, right? It is. It, it, it is very... Um, you brought up, like, cancer, children with cancer. Yeah. Uh, walking into a room where a child has cancer, you never know what you're going to experience, first off, because you don't know what form they're going through. It could be causing other issues as well. Uh, we once met with a child who was going through paralysis because of it. The, the cancer was on the spinal cord. Mm -hmm. um, that was very difficult as the father wanted to know when he put his son's arm, hand on my arm if I could feel his hand move. But his son was paralyzed. In those instances, it's very spur of the moment and I could see in his eyes that he was hoping for me to say yes. And I said, I think so. I don't know if his father was moving the hand, if the son had twitched. I don't know. But the dad was hoping for something. But I could also see the relief in the father's eyes 
just from us being there, just from his son smiling and interacting. Even though he couldn't move, he was having a ball, just enjoying himself. Those visits are utterly amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. How often do you do these things? Um, before the pandemic, we were doing a hospital visit every single week. Um, not just myself, but we have almost 100 members in the group across the state. We just expanded to Chicago as well. Wow. Um, and so we were averaging a hospital visit every week, and we were visiting everywhere from Sparrow and Mott to Beaumont, DeVos, Bronson, uh, Detroit Children's, and all of these. And in a visit, you might see 12 kids or you might see 120 you go to big hospitals like Mott and Beaumont, you might be there for three hours and see 100 kids in all different rooms in all different stages of whatever they're going through. Sparrow, you might see 12 to 20 kids. Sparrow has limited resources for children, and if they have one of those issues that's extremely threatening or is needed to be transferred, they will transfer to Mott or Beaumont that specialize in children's hospitals. This episode is brought to you by Red Bike Delivery. This delivery service operates only using battery-powered, eco-friendly transportation. Red Bike Delivery is there for all your delivery needs, whether it's dinner for the family, flowers for your partner, or new houseplants for your new collection. Red Bike Delivery will gladly deliver those and everything in between. So what are you waiting for? Check out Red Bike Delivery on Facebook or Instagram for more information. Red Bike Delivery, because there's only one Earth. Large broadcasts, you're jumping into virtual visits, video work, you're doing, you turn your basement into basically a movie studio. Yeah. And you're filming from your phone, from whatever, to try and send positivity out. Now that we're kind of back into the swing of things, but not quite there, we're starting with some of the hospitals doing visits. We've been doing drop-offs of care packages now. Um, A lot of the public events are coming back. We did Making Strides this year. Um, you know, on the Capitol steps here in Michigan, we've done quite a few other things and it's, it's nice to be back together. It's nice to be able to do stuff. It's also nice to generate all that positivity, the smiles, the happiness and all that stuff that we all miss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not the same over Skype or online broadcast, right? No, that face-to-face interaction. Yeah. You need that. Yeah. Especially when you're dealing with kids. Yeah. Kids, re- kids react to face-to-face much better than virtual. Virtual, they're getting distracted by something else in the room. But yeah. if you're there in the moment with them, it's like nothing else. It's, it's utterly incredible. Yeah, there's nothing better than seeing a, a real live costume right in front of you. Like that that looks like the real thing. Yeah, that, that impact. Um, our Wonder Woman, who also happens to be my fiance. Congrats, um, by the way. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, Katie, she is uh, six foot one. Looks like Wonder Woman, suits up as Wonder Woman, strides, carries herself. Just that's how she, that's who she is. Her walk and everything is who she is, but it fits the character so perfectly. She struggles to do anything else. <laughs> it's it's her. It's just her. That's but cool. when she walks into that hospital room and waves to one of the little kids and calls them sweetheart or honey or whatever it is, and she breaks that smile and and the kids just light up. It's, I I love seeing our members interact with kids. I love taking new members to a hospital visit, seeing the impact of them. I love the fact that, you know, I've done hundreds of visits. When I get to take new members and I'm there as Batman and I get to step back 
and watch somebody like our green arrow mm. who I took on his first hospital visit. And there was a kid there who told Batman to step out of the way because <laughs> green arrow was the best. Oh, that's awesome. And seeing his reaction. So amazing. Just <laughs> so amazing. I loved it. It was great. I, I, that's so cool. Um, so is the League of Enchantment, is that is it, is it a national thing? Is it a national, like, nonprofit? Right now we're in two states. Okay. We are certified across the nation as a 501c3 nonprofit. Okay. <clears throat> so we're working in Michigan. We're working in Chicago. We have plans to expand to other states as we find the right people, build the right groups. Chicago took us a while. Um, just finding the right people is hard. You have to have the right personalities and everything to run a group. And Groups like ours grow at just an exponential rate. Mm -hmm. You know, six years ago, five years ago, we had six members. Wow. We have a hundred now. That's insane. Our reach is now global. We do things, you know, we might be based in Michigan, Mm. but our videos get seen in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Italy. We've coordinated with people all over the globe. I've had conversations with people in Australia and South America and Dominican Republic and just all these places wanting to help in whatever way they could or just to see more. How do they see more? That's amazing. Um, Is there anything else like this? There are other groups in other states. Um, We kind of went further than any other group like us. Uh, We have a platinum rating on GuideStar, which is like the the guidebook or the uh, scorecard for nonprofits Um, like Make-A-Wish America. It has a platinum rating. Mm-hmm. Make-A-Wish Michigan does not. I think theirs is either a silver or a gold. We're a platinum rating. Platinum wow. is the highest one you can attain. You have to have 100% right. um, clear everything, finances and all of it, for them for you to get that rating. And we work very hard to be able to do that, to get to that point. And we've been asked by groups in other states to come and teach them. Last year alone, I was in 11 states teaching other groups to do what we do. Wow. So we've kind of rewritten the book. And it's crazy to think about, but it's also humbling. And it's very much an honor to be able to do what we do, to be able Mm -hmm. to meet these people, to be able to meet these kids, the families, going to hospitals. And in the last five years, I've gotten to coordinate with the FBI the Homeland Security, special wow. victims. I've stood in governor's offices, mayor's offices. It, it's utterly amazing. Is this something you founded? Um, it, the group, the, the league's name came from a girl named Brittany Billinghurst and a guy named Dominic Valentin. They had started it more like a party princess type thing. Okay. They did one hospital visit. They felt that that should be the way the group goes. At that point, I had already started doing stuff with American Cancer Society, and I was getting sent all over the state to do walks and fundraisers and speak at appearances. My first year, I ended up on stage with the Olympic team speaking for uh, breast cancer. Um, I I was kind of overwhelmed. I needed people to help. Um, During the same time period, I met Katie at Grand Rapids Comic Con because she decided to yell at me for a picture, <laughs> which is legit how it happened. Um, and then I was at another event. I met Brittany and Dom. And uh, between Katie and I, we talked about how, you know, she'd started doing some events with me as Wonder Woman and I was doing Batman. And then it just, she realized that there was potential. There was more here. Um, 
She was the one who came up with the idea to go towards becoming an actual nonprofit. We sat down with Dom and Britt, talked to them. I had a notebook of ideas of all these things I wanted to be able to do with this. And they agreed that, you know, this is the, the route to go. By the time we left the meeting, they put me in charge of their social media, added me to all that. Um, and we ended up getting into Mott pretty soon after that due to Katie having just the right connections and uh, filed for nonprofit. Within three months, we had our nonprofit status and we started, the, the events just started to roll in. We didn't think we'd have much the first year. By the end of the first year, we'd done 120 community events and we were into two other hospitals. Wow. It, it was, I did 71 events wow. the first year myself. That's, it was crazy. That's insane. Yeah. And, and we just realized there was this huge need for this. And we watched you know, all these community groups start coming to us for assistance. As they came to us, it helped their group. People wanted to show up to meet people, to get pictures, to talk, to whatever. Mm-hmm. So it helped them. And it just has snowballed since then. And now we have 100 members. We're coordinating with tons of other groups. And it's just amazing. That is truly amazing. Um, what inspired you to want to get involved with this? I know that um, your story is kind of like we talked at the, talked about at the beginning is pretty emotional. Yeah. Um, so again, you can share as much or as little yeah. as you, as you want. Um, but what led to you wanting to join this? Were you, were you, were you big into superheroes to begin uh, with? Well, growing up, I always loved comic books. I, okay. you know, I remember growing up watching greatest American hero and seeing the old Spider-Man TV show, um, watching like Reb Brown play Captain America on TV. I've gotten to meet Reb now. Wow. Um, but all that stuff and, you know, growing up, seeing all that, seeing Michael Keaton as Batman, uh, one of the first events that I actually got involved with was out of state um, in, I think it was Kentucky, uh, a boy who was dying. He had um, uh, leukemia, I think it was, and he wanted to meet a real-life Batman, and I was able to get a hold of Dave Lee, who was Michael Keaton's stunt double. Wow. He was the guy in the suit who came down in the alley and did the fight scenes. So he's literally the first on-screen Batman of that generation. And... Um, I got a hold of Dave through some email messages. He ended up calling me. Uh, we chit-chatted three, four times. He made contact with the boy's family, was able to talk with him, do some video visits, things like that. Sent him essentially swag from the Batman movies and from his career. He's, Dave's still working, still filming. And um, we were able to coordinate with another Batman who was able to drive over and actually meet with the boy. And then he passed away. About two months later, the other guy who does Batman drove over and was part of the funeral and spoke oh. at the funeral. So some of this extends past just a single visit. My story is very um, strange. Most people who start doing what's called cosplay, which is costuming and going out and doing stuff, they start out by going to a Comic-Con or seeing a group or something and wanting mm-hmm. to just dress up as. Right. You know, the guys who go to see Spider-Man and suddenly really want to have a Spider-Man suit. <laughs> Mine was backwards. Um, I was in an accident. I was coming home from work one day. Uh, it had been raining. It was dark. I came over a hill, and there was a boy in the road. And I stood on the brakes and tried to miss him. My truck missed him. My trailer didn't. 
he got caught on the front of the trailer. He bounced off. He flew 90 feet. Um, I swerved all over the road, was able to stop, ran back, and I got there as his mother was running towards me, screaming. His father came running out of the driveway towards us. Um, I just remember a lot of it had been raining. I was wet. Um, there was blood on my hands. The boy was laying on the side of the road. Um, I watched his eyes roll back in his head. His mother stood up. She took a deep breath, turned around, and she did CPR. Her son had died, and she did CPR on her own child wow. and brought him back in front of me. Um, you know, the father and I were essentially the best term is a hot mess. Um, from that point, I remember a lot of lights flashing. Um, you know, it felt like it was all in a blink of a minute, but I knew I'd been there for a while. You know, ambulance comes, people move me out of the way cause I'm still kneeling on the side of the road with my hand on his leg. Um, an officer had stood me up at some point, asked me to stay where I was. You know, I got drug tested, all that stuff there. I was fine. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know the name of anybody. I didn't know who it was. I just knew where it happened. Um, two days later, I was trying to figure out, you know, I, I, you know, I hadn't slept. I was a mess. Um, you know, just everything was crashing around me. You know, I didn't know if the boys survived, whatever. Um, I went to a coffee shop nearby, thinking that it's a small town area. Um, more than likely, somebody in a coffee shop is going to know about it. I ended up talking to the guy behind the counter, and uh, he told me if he heard anything, he would let me know. A couple of days later, I got a phone call, and it was him. And he told me what to look for, the Facebook page. I was able to find the Facebook page, left a message there, about a half an hour later, um, the boy's aunt called me and said they'd been searching for me. And uh, I was able to go one week from the day of the accident and meet him. And when I got there, he was in a cast um, from just above his knees all the way through his pelvic girdle. His pelvic girdle had shattered. His arm had broke. He had a broken leg, um, skull fractures, his spleen had exploded. He'd had internal injuries. He'd have stitches, staples all through his head. Um, just utter mess. There was no damage to the spinal cord, brainstem, or anything like that, which is incredible, utterly, amazingly incredible. Um, he hit the front of a trailer that was going 45 miles an hour, and he flew 90 feet, and there was no spinal cord damage. It's, but he died on scene. Yeah. And his mom brought him back. Mm -hmm. It was astounding to um, be there. and It changed the direction of my life. That day when I got to meet him, um, he was still heavily medicated. Very, very emotional. He was all over the place. I was emotional. The mother was emotional. And I got there and... I was worried that they'd be angry at me. They would hit me. They would spit something. I, you don't know how to, <clears throat> how to, how do you visualize that meeting somebody after you've hit their child? Yeah, that's. And she came to the door and hugged me, and we both just cried. We just cried, and then went in. She wanted me. How to, How old was the boy? 
two and a half. Wow. Yeah. Two and a half years old. Um, so she took me in and introduced me to him. And he was, she didn't, she didn't introduce me as the guy who hit him. She just introduced me. And we sat there and we talked and we kind of played with some toys a little bit. He had obviously limited movement and was heavily medicated. And we ended up watching Batman versus Superman that had mm-hmm. just come out three, four months before. And, um, you know, his, one of his favorite superheroes was Batman, along with, you know, most kids love Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, um, Captain America. And uh, um, the ant later on got in contact with me. They wanted to do a fundraiser for the family. And so I was able to collect some stuff for the fundraiser. And then one day I was sitting there thinking it would be cool for him to be able to meet Batman. Why don't I do this? So I went online and I found a cheap suit, cheap Batman suit. No idea what I was doing. Got it. It was terrible. (laughs) I cut it apart, reattached it to like a motorcycle vest, tried to make it look good. Had all these great plans to do this thing at the fundraiser. I got to the fundraiser, the fire department, the police force, everyone showed up. This building was supposed to hold like 200 people and like 3,000 people showed up. It was crazy. I went in the door and I never sat down. I never got to put the suit on. It was still sitting in the car four hours later. Wow. And so I kind of felt like it was a waste and... Halloween was coming up, so I, I put it on for a trunk or treating event. And the kids there were so responsive to it. And I realized I was having the, just a good time finally. I, I was happy. I was enjoying the moment. And I slept. And I hadn't slept through a night since the accident. So that changed my perspective on it. You also have kids too, don't you? Yeah, I have five. So coming home, I know you had mentioned uh, on your video on YouTube that, you know, coming home to your kids who are perfectly healthy yeah, and knowing that another family's life is in wreck and their child's in the hospital was something that you couldn't really yeah. bear, bear to think. Yeah, it's, it's, it was hard to come home after the accident to just hold myself up, to get hugs from my kids who ran out to see me when this other family was on their way to a hospital and I had no clue what they were going through. I had no clue, you know, whether their child survived the night and it it was rough. It was really, really rough. And it's hard to explain to anybody the feelings, the stress level, the, um, the anxiety that all of that produced. And still to this day, I deal with the PTSD from it. Um, my anxiety level, I have a hard time driving past like kids' schools. Um, if kids are playing on the front lawn, I slow way down. I tend to go to the other side of the road, things like that. I've gotten better over the years. I don't swerve to the other <laughs> side of the road now. Um, it's gotten better. Um, I used to have uh, massive anxiety attacks. Um, I was in a class for trauma. Somebody started recounting a story that was somewhat similar, and I just remember everything went gray. Wow. And I was pulled out of the class and um, I, I thought I'd only been kind of out of it for a few minutes and it turned out it'd been an hour and a half and that I'd been hyperventilating and bent over. And I'd turn ashen. Um, they said I'd been talking the whole time and trying to go back into the class and I don't remember any of it. Wow. So your, your brain's, it does 
crazy things to try to protect you after something like that. Um, but how did you, um, how did you manage to get through that? I mean, because a lot of people, when they go through something so traumatic, they re they revert to like drinking or drugs or just, they, they fall off the wagon severely. What did you, what did you do? Did you go to therapy? Um, did literally started thinking about superheroes. <laughs> um, it sounds weird. It's kind of strange, but I had always grown up reading the books, um, the comic books and realizing that, you know, Batman lost his family. Spider-Man watched his uncle Ben die in his arms. Um, Superman came from another planet. He was the utter definition of an orphan. All these heroes and all these villains that we see and read about the best ones come from trauma. And it's what you do with that trauma that defines you after that point. I realized I didn't want to be sucked down. I didn't want to feel like a supervillain. I wanted to, to climb those rungs and do something positive, even though I'd been through such a traumatic experience. And so, you know, learning that the bat suit made me feel better and it gave me a level of anonymity that nothing else could. I started delving more into that and learning what other guys across the United States have done with a bat suit. And it opened up a huge world to me of people out there that are willing to put on a superhero costume, a princess costume, and go and visit these kids and visit families and create positivity so that these kids going through trauma from cancer, something they can't see, that they can't fight, can do for the child, but then realizing what it does for the person in the suit. It generates so much happiness, so much positivity with you. That's what got me through. I, you know, I, I started helping others. I helped with the event in Tennessee and coordinating with Dave and all of them. And then, you know, my name got out there a little bit from that and parts of a suit showed up and then people contacted me about doing good things. And I started putting together suits and you know, I ended up with my first good suit, which is it's the Arkham suit. Um, it's a Batman suit. And I learned how to build some parts. I got in contact with a couple builders who gave me pointers wow. and just grew. And the next <clears throat> thing I knew I had this really, really nice suit. And suddenly I'm going, getting invited to go to a walk. And I went to my first cancer walk and it was actually here in Michigan and South Holt. And, um, heaven is luckily one of the heads at that time of the Michigan chapter of the American cancer society was there and wanted to talk to me because I had just really cool suit and they came over and talked to me and my voice fit the character and they were impressed with, you do have a deep voice. Yeah. <laughs> Actually I deepened it more for hospital visits. Um, <laughs> That's cool. But, um, yeah, I, they just were for lack of a better term, impressed with my talking to kids, my voice, my, how I conducted myself. And I got pulled into the American Cancer Society offices and they talked to me about stuff. And then I ended up doing a radio interview with um, Mojo, who was on Q106 at the time. And it just, I realized there was so much. And it just, that's where my life diverged from, you know, these other 
people who'd been through trauma going into drugs or alcohol or self-abusive behaviors into putting it towards positives. You know, it might've been different from what most people did, Mm -hmm. but it, it saved me. Right. But I've also had the amazing luck to be able to help so many others through it. And the first couple of years I did this, I did it completely anonymous. No one even knew who my name, what my name was. Um, when I did interviews, I did them as Batman. I never did them as myself. Um, I actually didn't give anybody my name until I had to do an interview with Lansing State Journal that ended up going to USA Today. And that was the only way they would allow the interview to happen. I didn't want to do it that way, but it was the only way they would do it. And that was two, probably about two years in. So, yeah. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. I think it's so easy for people to, um, when something like that happens, to fall into like victims mentality. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's so easy. I mean, I, I've, I had a rough past and it's, it's not easy to just, you know, keep your head up and try to try to trudge forward, but you right. have to. And that's amazing that you were able to. And I, you know, I would gladly admit that I had dark days that I had struggles that I went through you know, PTSD and anxiety and, you know, bouts of, you know, you know, questioning what I was doing. Mm. Was it the right path? Was it what was needed? Was it, you know, any of that? But then I met others who wanted to help, who wanted to do this thing too. And that helped seeing that there were other people willing to step up to kind of come to, to, to do what I was doing. That, that was just so empowering you know, and, you know, when you look at the league, a lot of the members come from backgrounds where they went through stress and struggle in life, and they've used it now to empower themselves to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, Katie is six foot one. Jeez. I'm five seven. My fiance is six inches taller <laughs> than me. <laughs> she was picked on from a young age because of her height. Really? At, at 11 years old, she was 5'11". She stood over the administration in her school. She was picked <laughs> on for being tall. Wow. Which to me sounded utterly crazy. Yeah, that, she told that me sounds crazy it. to me too. But then you think of an 11-year-old girl who's 5'11". First off, everybody's going to come up with nicknames. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you're the Jolly Green Giant, you're Stretch, you're whatever. No guy's going to want to date you because every guy at that age is maybe five foot. Right. If you're, I mean, at 11. Yeah. So that's, you know, then there's not that normal interplay of life that most of us get. And then just being picked on because of the height, because of those issues. Yeah, it kind of separates her from everybody else. Right. Yeah. You get bullied. And then, you know, Katie was. She should be the one bullying people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, in those circumstances, yeah. And then at, I think she was about 31 when she put on her first Wonder Woman outfit and she did it just for fun and went to a Comic-Con to help a friend, which is where I met her. And people assumed that she'd actually won the cosplay contest there because of her height and how she looks. And she was wearing Wonder Woman because it fits her perfectly. And she realized after that how much fun she was having. And then she went to events with me. She went to a couple right after that. And at the second event, which was here in Lansing, 
um, there was a little girl who was so excited to meet her. She was bouncing up and down and waving her hands. The little girl came over and started talking to Katie about how at school she was bullied because her skin's a different color and her hair is short. And Katie started talking to her about how she was bullied, how she was too tall, about how she was a giant. And then it just turned into this super positive interaction between them. And Katie had what we in the league call the moment, which is where you meet a kid that your character or you have had such a positive interaction with Mm -hmm. that you want to put on your suit again tomorrow and go do it again. And then you do it again and again. And that moment empowers you. And then you meet more kids, more families. That's so beautiful because anybody can put on a suit, right? Yeah. I mean, I could throw on a Batman suit and play the part, but not everybody has the the past not everybody has that that passion not everybody has that one thing that happened to them that makes them so right inspired to want to do that yeah those that come from struggles from trauma from any of that it empowers that character even more right um i think about the only um exclusion to that would be a few of the princesses and our furries um because they've you know, I know our furries personally, and their lives have been relatively average. But you put them in the furry suits, and suddenly they're these crazy giant furry creatures that right. you know kids love, especially sensory kids like Downs. They just glow when that happens. It's amazing. That's that's so awesome. Yeah. So, what are some of your goals with the enchant the League of Enchantment? Um, <coughs> well, originally years ago. Um, about four years ago, uh, the owner of DK Security, who has since passed away, um, they they do all of our background checks. He had asked me if I had like a five year plan, and funny enough, I said, "Yeah, I've got a bunch of ideas that could kind of be a five year plan." And then six months later, we had our gala, and you know they came, and um, I made a joke that I'd given him my five month my five year plan six months earlier, and we'd accomplished it in six months. <laughs> so. It's funny that our group, um, now we kind of let things happen organically, like what happened with Chicago. We got contacted by um, a guy who lives in Chicago who was doing charity events there, Thor, and wanted to build a group just like ours. He had a little group, but wanted to go the whole route of turning it into a charity, a full nonprofit, being able to get the background, the background checks, Uh, the liability insurance, all the stuff that you need to be able to properly walk into a hospital. And uh, so we just took it on as a new project, expanding into another state. And so now our hope is that we can bring our program to other states to be able to expand into other hospitals, Mm -hmm. other, you know, helping other places like the child centers, the CWC centers, um, the cancer, you know, making strides, all those groups and just helping all of them along the way to do better, to be able to help more people. That's, that's truly amazing. Um, I can't, I can't believe that there's not more out there, not more things like this out there. There's some, um, in Ohio, there's superheroes for kids in Ohio. Um, there's a few other groups across the United States. There's a comic care out in Arizona, uh, project superhero. Um, and there's a few others as well. 
It's just we've kind of gone past what a lot of them have been doing. Okay. And now we we've, we are teaching, and it's kind of crazy that we're teaching, but it's not because of me. It's because of everybody in the group. Mm-hmm. We all bring talents to the group. I might be the president of the group, Yeah. please don't give me any of the numbers because they will be <laughs> – an utter mess, give those to Katie and she will do them right. Because if I do the numbers, good luck. Well, it's good to have a a good team to help balance everything out because I mean, yeah, you're the leader, but I mean, yeah, everything can't be on you. We, we have like, um, Carol, uh, Carol came into the league about two and a half, three years ago. Um, actually during the captain Marvel premiere, um, she came to the, um, studio dressed up, as Captain Marvel to see the movie and then ended up hanging out with us in the lobby. And I was dressed as Iron Man at the time and we were just goofing off. And, um, she came and joined the league, uh, found out that she loved playing around with like social media stuff. I'd been doing the social media up to that point. So Carol and I sat down and we had a talk and, uh, she wanted to take over the social media. And within three months I was doing nothing on social media. Wow. Now, if I touch it, she will probably hit me with something. <laughs> and that, to me, is fantastic. Um, and now we have a social media team. We have, I, I think it's four people on it, which is Carol, there's Ryan McConnell, Ryan Bolton, uh, Jeffrey Spahn. Um, there might be a couple others that assist as well. And they do uh, an amazing job. If you go and look on our Facebook or Instagram, the posts, the, the construction of all of them, it's amazing. Our social media has its own personality now. Yeah. Social media is almost like a, a job in itself, like it trying is. to m- promote things and make things look good. Yep. You kind of have to be talented. Yeah. You can't just throw out a couple sentences in a random picture or no. people don't care. It has to be eye catching. It has to be fun, but it also has to get over that message across of what you're doing and who right. you are. Like right now they're going through all of our new team leaders, our board and, and showing our Chicago team as well. And then assisting our Chicago team with building their social media. Right. Do you have a TikTok? Do you guys have a TikTok? Uh, we're working on that, actually. That's a really good idea. Yeah, we're working on that. Um, Grant Ellis, who's uh, the assistant to the secretary for the group, he actually has a decent-sized TikTok following himself. Okay. And so we're, you know, we're following his lead on that to build that because I don't have time to do it all. <laughs> right. And neither does any of our other members. But if everybody pitches in and does a video here or there, then suddenly you've got content and it works. Is this something that uh, everybody who's involved or works for League of Enchantment, are they are they working full-time? Are you, yep. Do you work full-time? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, everybody in the group is a volunteer. No one gets paid. Wow. Um, legitimately, the things that we get that are, I would call, compensation – um, some of the movie theaters will throw us free tickets. We'll get special screenings for movies. So we get to see like Avengers before anybody else gets to That's see cool. it and stuff like that. Um, we get to meet a lot of celebrities. When we go to comic cons, <laughs> we usually go as guests. Um, we speak on panels. We talk with people. We, we teach the things that we've learned. We do different panels like cosplay through heartache, cosplay versus cosplay and, uh, body uh, positivity, things like that. Um, so we we get to meet the celebrities that everybody else you know pays for. So we've sat down. Like I had breakfast with Adrian Paul, who played the Highlander. Um, That's sweet. When we were in Indiana, um, I was speaking with John Ratzenberger, who was on Cheers as Cliff Clavin, but he's also been in all the Pixar movies. Um, he was Ham, and he was like the semi in Cars and stuff like that. 
And John and I had a long conversation about fishing in Michigan. Um, you know, growing up, one of my favorite TV shows was Greatest American Hero. I got to share a green room with William Catt, who played the Greatest American Hero. Wow. And it was surreal because I didn't know I was sharing a room, for one, and walked in, and the guy who was on one of my favorite TV shows growing up was sitting at the table eating a donut, and we <laughs> ended up talking about shoes and donuts. <laughs> it was weird. And then not about five minutes later, a lady rolls in in a wheelchair, and it's Lydia Graber, who was one of the Ewoks in Star Wars. Wow. And it's just like those strange moments. Um, I uh, um, was in an elevator in Grand Rapids with Patrick Warburton, who played the Tick, and he was putty, and um, he was Kronk in uh, Emperor's New Groove and all that, and him and I ended up doing a baritone voice-off in the elevator. <laughs> um, you know, Terry, who played uh, Candyman in the Candyman horror movies, I had barbecued chicken with him. It wow. Is a, you know, a six foot seven uh, black man wearing a white suit eating barbecue chicken at a table. <laughs> and all I could think about is, is, well, if he gets that on and we're doomed and then I'm thinking, well, he did play a horror icon. So if he gets barbecue chicken sauce all over a white suit, it's probably going to fit the character. <laughs> it's, it's like all that stuff. Um, you know, this year we got to meet the lady who played the original Tinkerbell mm. and Carol, who's our media head also does Tinkerbell. Oh, cool. Carol weighs about eight pounds soaking wet and is about <laughs> five foot. If, She's lucky. And um, it was great watching Tinkerbell meet Tinkerbell and them talk about Tinkerbell stuff. And, and Margaret, who played That's the cool. original Tinkerbell, is like 96 years old. Wow. And she's still going out and meeting people. It, she started reciting lines and doing scenes from the original the cartoon. It, it was crazy. That is crazy. So, yeah, we don't get paid, but we get to do a lot of amazing things. That is truly amazing. Um, definitely a lot of good opportunities. Yeah. Um, opportunities that not many people get. Yeah. Um, what kind of, what kind of things go into a suit? I know you said you made your suit. Um, so it really depends on the suit. Like a Spider-Man suit is one of the slightly easier ones to deal with. Uh, those are what's called a Zentai suit, which is printed on stretchable fabric. And okay. for those, you need like a dance belt so that you have kind of the Ken doll look. Okay. And then a face shell so that it has that smooth look. And then a don't get the cheap suit from Wish. Get a good <laughs> Spider-Man suit. Don't spend $12. Spend like $120 because <laughs> it does make a big difference, especially when you put it on the fabric stretches. And suddenly there's white showing through. <laughs> so a Spider-Man suit's relatively easy. You get into other stuff like Iron Man or Batman. And it's a lot more parts. It's a lot more time. My, so my, I, I'm on my fifth, sixth Batman suit. Um, my Arkham suit, which was the first one that I consider my first one. There was a junk one before that. Um, that took about six months of collecting up stuff. The base suit for it came from a company in Canada called UD Replicas. Um, the first belt I had came out of Texas from, um, a guy named Jerry who was building them. And then I learned how to build the belts cause I wanted the, all the pouches to actually work. So now all my pouches do work. They have magnetic oh. closures, fabric tops. They all are hard shell so I can put keys or whatever in them, or I can put Batman stuff or business cards or, or whatever, you know, I mm -hmm. ha happen to end up with. Um, my cowls, I have nine, 11 different cowls. For Batman, and all of them are different. No two are the same. Um, so I have like two Arkham ones that I use just with my Arkham suit. 
And then I have my newer suit that I've been wearing a lot more lately. That's a custom suit. It's not like any movie or TV show or anything anybody's seen. Mm. That has its own cowl. And I designed a different belt for that. It has different boots. It has different gloves, gauntlets, the whole thing. Um, some of that was um, like the base suit was made by Will Carruthers out of Louisiana. And then I did all the other parts to it. So, I, I, you know, we spend a lot of time building stuff. Uh, my fiance Katie, um, we build a lot of her outfits for her now. We made a cast of her body. Um, basically, it's called a, what's called a duct tape mannequin. You wrap somebody in saran wrap, and then you wrap that with duct tape. Mm-hmm. And then you cut it off straight up the back and remove it like a shirt. And you can use that for patterning. And uh, so we build all of her corsets now out of what's called EVA foam. And so they're all custom made to fit her. Wow. So, and we build a lot of her. her we just did a recent build um, of two suits, mine my Batman and her Wonder Woman, and they're from the Death Metal series. And the only things we purchased for her suit was a pair of yoga pants and a pair of boots. And the boots we recolored, repainted, and made knee covers for. Wow. So the only thing we didn't do anything to was a pair of yoga pants that you can only see, like, mid-thigh of, and that's it. Wow. So, yeah, everything else we built. That's insane. Yeah. And do you guys have, like, a workshop or... Um, you, I have a space in my basement that I use. Okay. <laughs> oh, my so garage. What kind of things do you use? Do you use like metal for your, your suit? Um, lots of EVA foam, leather, Kevlar, carbon fiber. And um, you spray paint them? Yeah. There's all kinds of different paints. Uh, we use, um, Montana gold spray paints. They're more flexible. Okay. So they don't crack and things like that. Um, you work with found items. Uh, we have a guy who does the flash. And he built the suit from the Justice League movie. And he used pieces of fiberglass car parts and cut those to create that shell that the Flash has and repainted all those. Oh, that's cool. So sometimes it's it's just found items. Sometimes it's, you know, whatever. My son really likes steampunk aesthetics. So he ends up tearing apart old clocks and things like that, adding them to his outfits. What um, kind of outfits does your son have? Um, he's more into the weird video games like Five Nights at Freddy's and stuff mm. like that. So he builds stuff based around that. Okay. Um, some of the anime stuff that's gotten really popular. Um, Do you have uh, all your kids involved in this? At one time or another, almost all of my kids have suited up. Okay. Um, if you look through uh, some of the pages, um, especially some of the videos, you'll see my daughter as Supergirl. Um, she did quite a bit as Supergirl. Her, she's now working full-time in elderly care, so she doesn't have as much time. My other daughter, Caitlin, has done three different versions of Batgirl. Um, uh, Evan has done quite a few different versions of, like, Five Nights at Freddy's, things like that. But he also used to have the Arkham Robin suit until he outgrew it. Oh, cool. he's, like, two inches taller than me. <laughs> Just weird to have Robin, you know, that height. <laughs> uh, my son Eric used to do, like, Red Hood. He did Ronin, which is what uh, Hawkeye turned into in one of the Avengers movies. So he built the whole Ronin suit. Um, yeah, so pretty much everybody has done stuff at one point or another. What kind of effect has this had on your children, seeing, seeing how what kind of transformation you made um, when you started doing all the dressing up and uh, the League of Enchantment. Um, what kind of effect did it have on them? I mean, because I think it made a pretty profound effect for you. Right. They saw, you know, the stresses that I was going through. And to have dad fall apart is not an easy thing to see. 
for me to be able to find something that helped had to have been a positive thing. And that all my kids at one point or another have helped suited up, gone on visits. My daughters have been in hospitals. My sons haven't. They just both turned 18, so they couldn't. But my daughters have done hospital visits. They've met with kids of trauma. To gain that experience mm-hmm. isn't something that most kids get to do. Yeah, Seeing dad go through it, seeing me heal from it, and be able to put life back together, as it were, um, you know, it, there's no way to, for anybody really to explain it. Um, I think it's important for young kids to see how other young kids struggle. And I mean, cause not everybody has it easy. No, they uh, don't. You know, like my kids have it easy, but there's other kids that are in the hospital that are right. suffering from cancer, leukemia, whatever it is. And they don't know about that. Right. You know, and I think it's important for kids to, to see that. There's a little boy named Vincent. Um, and about four years ago, Vincent um, had a birthday. And he decided to donate his birthday to the kids in the hospital at Mott's. Vincent has neuroblastoma cancer, cancer of the eye. He had to have his left eye removed in order to save his life. He was in the hospital for over a year. But for his birthday, he decided to give up his birthday and raise funds and toys for mm-hmm. kids in the hospital. He asked us to do the deliveries. So he gave up his birthday. When a kid does that, suddenly people come out of the woodwork who want to help. Mm-hmm. Celebration Cinemas gave him passes for movie theaters for a year. Popcorn bucket, all that stuff. Um there was other groups who stepped up and handed off things uh, to him to, to help. Um, the, the trampoline center on the other side of town donated the birthday for him so that he could have his birthday there. Wow. We all showed up. He raised $650. Wow. He brought in a pile of toys. Other people sent stuff that was just for Vincent that he wasn't allowed to give to other kids. But they also donated his birthday turned into an amazing thing. And this is a kid who's going through a horrible time in his life. He had to have his eye removed. He had cancer. Mm-hmm. He's just now finally clear. Just now. Wow. Literally was with that family three weeks ago. Wow. We filmed with Bob Hoffman on their front lawn. It's on Good Neighbors if you want to see it. Incredible. He's, his outlook on life, Vincent is happy. He's actually looking forward to getting a new eye mm. because he wants to have the Batman logo as the pupil <laughs> and it will glow in the dark. Oh, that's cool. That's how he looks at it now. It's not, woe is me, I lost an eye. It's, I get to have this cool eye that glows in the dark and I'm going to scare my mom at two in the morning because there'll be a glowing Batman <laughs> logo floating around the living room. Right. I, that, that's so incredible to me. It's, it's perspective. Yeah. It's, it's, you meet these kids in the hospital ward who are going through cancer, brain trauma, leukemia, you know, all these other things that, you know, you or I would just probably fall apart. Mm-hmm. And they're in there giggling. They're watching cartoons. They're having fun with the nurses. They're doing puzzles. They're coloring. You know, you look over and 
mom or dad are falling apart. They're the ones who really need the visit most of the time. It's not the kid. Right. But you're there to visit the kid, but then the kid's happier, and then you look over, and mom's smiling, dad's mm-hmm. smiling. The grandparents are smiling. Suddenly you turn, the nurses are having a blast. The doctor walks in behind you, and we have pictures of doctors who come in behind us. We don't even know we're there, smiling, looking over <laughs> our shoulders. That's cool. Like, that's yeah. awesome. You go out of the room, the nurses stop you in the hallway because they want a picture. It makes their day better. Mm-hmm. I have now been stopped by two janitors at two different hospitals who have said that when we're there, it makes their hospital feel better. I believe Janitor. it. I believe that. Because when you go into a hospital, and especially if you work in like a, like a children's unit like yeah. that, it's got to be so depressing. Seeing yeah. kids suffer. I mean, especially if you have kids, you can understand like what, what these parents are going through as they're losing right. them. And then you see them die. Right. Now and think of the guy who has to come into that room after that loss and deal with disassembling that room for the next kid to come in. Right. What impact does it have on that guy? Right. People forget all the stages of who deals with what mm-hmm. in those situations. It's not just your nurse or your doctor. There's 50 other people that are impacted by that one child in that bed. Right. You know, it might be the guy who comes in to take the garbage out, but he interacts with that kid for 30 seconds, for a minute, for five minutes sometimes. Yeah, he probably learns his name, right. who he is, what, he, what, he, what kind of things he likes. What impact does it have on him when that child is gone? Whether they leave the hospital alive or they pass away, there's still an impact there. It's... People forget all those different things. And I think, especially with our group, being able to go into these hospitals and meet these people, meet these kids, going through all these different stages, Mm -hmm. sitting in the lobby waiting, and nurses come up and start talking to you because they see the wagon full of, you know, care packages. Right. They know who you are outside of the suit, and suddenly you're sitting there and somebody's buying you coffee and you're chit-chatting about stuff, and they want to know why, and you end up doing a podcast interview in the lobby of a hospital yeah. with four people, it changes your perspective. Yeah. You know, they're the caregivers. You're there to dress up as Batman and goof off with kids. Yeah. But then they want to know how and why, and why would you do this thing? The reward from that's got to be so rewarding. Like whenever I do a podcast, usually afterwards, especially if it's a really good podcast, I'm like, I feel jazzed. Like I'm oh, like, yeah. I, I help somebody share their story. Like it, there's nothing. I mean, for me, it, that's a really good feeling. Yep. I can imagine like seeing all these little kids smiling, especially when they're, uh, some of them are on their deathbed and some of mm-hmm. them, you know, are just struggling to make it through each day. I can't imagine what kind of effect that would have on me. Yeah. It's, um, when we go through certain wards, uh, brain trauma, cancer, leukemia are the, the harder ones. Afterward, we always go out and have coffee, have um, a dinner or something with the people who did the um, visits. You know, you sit down in the lobby, you talk outside, something to decompress. Because mm-hmm. everybody takes it differently. Um, you need to be able to deal with the emotions that you've just seen, the things that you've had to deal with because you don't know what affects me might affect you totally different yeah you might just fall apart you might be 100 percent okay we don't know mm-hmm. you don't know until you're in front of them we have a rule in the league there's always at least four or there's always four for a hospital visit sometimes three um and 
you always try to take somebody new, somebody who's always wanted to do a hospital visit. So you make sure you have a veteran with you, somebody who's done multiple, and somebody new. And then the other two, you know, fall in between there. Um, and you always let everybody know that if they walk into a room and they can't handle it, you tap whomever on the shoulder so that they will turn their head and then you walk out of the room so that somebody knows that you're struggling, that you're, you can't do this, right? that you need a minute. Right. And it can be the weirdest things that hit you. It can be, you know, the kid who's smiling and laughing, but is hooked up to 50 machines and you're just, it's just overwhelming. It could be, you know, the kid who's utterly unresponsive to the doctors and the nurses, but then Spider-Man walks into the room and starts picking on the kid mm. like Spider-Man would do about the uneaten pizza on his tray and the funny balloon with a princess on it. And suddenly the kid is talking who hasn't talked in days. Wow. And, you know, it, it just, you never know what will hit you. You never know where it will go. We've had multiple times where we go into a hospital and a character has gotten a child to speak who's been terrified and wouldn't speak to not only their parents, but the mm -hmm. doctors and the nurses. So they can't do the proper evaluation of the child. But yet they will talk to Captain America. They'll talk to Spider-Man. They'll talk to Wonder Woman or Batman or Elsa or Anna or anybody because that's who they connect with. Right. That's why you need three or four people to go because you don't know what kids are going to connect with who. Right. Just like you or I, we have our favorites. Mm -hmm. We can go, I can always watch this movie with no problem. Right. Kids are the same way. Yeah. They have favorites. Yeah. Your son and I were playing with monster trucks upstairs. <laughs> he told me all about Bigfoot and all this other stuff. He connects with trucks right now. Yeah. Tomorrow could be something else. It's that age group. Yeah. But everybody connects. And it's finding that thing that you connect with. And for kids in a hospital bed, it could be superheroes. It could be princesses. We had Santa Claus this year for mm. the hospital. Nobody else could go in the hospital. The Santa Clauses couldn't go in the hospital. Our members could because of the background checks and vaccinations and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So one of our members suited up as Santa Claus. Wow. Went in the hospital. That's cool. The kids connected with Santa Claus. I, it just, it's amazing. That is amazing. Um, I want to end that there, but I have one last question because sure. we were talking about the kid that, um, you know, you had, you had hit mm -hmm. previously in the interview. Uh, what is his state of being now? Um, he's mostly, uh, fine. He has aches and pains. He has to get booster shots cause he doesn't have a spleen anymore. Um, I know he plays baseball now. Um, so he's basically moving on, moving to being a, uh, a normal, well-adjusted kid. How old is he? Um, now he would be about eight. Um, I haven't seen him in years. The family had kind of moved on, um, trying to, um, Forget about it. Yeah, basically, the, the boy was young, so his memories of it are going to be extremely small. You know, they can explain why he's covered in, you know, scars and he aches in the morning and why he has to get a shot every couple of years and all that. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's very understandable. And dealing with that trauma, I know that they moved. They don't live where they did. Um, and when they moved, they ended up moving to a dead-end street. So there's no cars driving by up front because it's there at the end of the road. 
and he plays out back and all that just because of what happened and it's totally right. understandable it's, you know it's the similar to what I went through where I had to learn to deal with seeing children on a lawn deal with children around schools things like that where my brain would tell me to get away from them because I don't want them to get hit right you know there's told them to move to a place of safety move to somewhere where that thing couldn't happen again right. so it totally makes sense Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, you're welcome. It's not an easy thing to do. I I respect everything you're doing. Um, I think it's real important for, for young – I mean, because kids who are in, in the hospital, we don't oftentimes think about them. You know, right. like I don't think about them on a daily basis. Like, oh, there's kids in the hospital suffering from cancer who are not going to make it through maybe today or tomorrow. Right. You know, I it's not something that crosses my mind that often, but – it it's a reality, you know, there's uh-huh. kids in the hospital and I think it's important that there's people like you out there willing to change, change their, their day, make their day better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a weird life. Um, I can imagine what we always say is we never know what tomorrow's going to bring, where we're going to end up being, what we're going to end up doing. Yeah. It's a weird life. I never, ever thought that one day I would get to dress up as Batman regularly <laughs> for a job. <laughs> yeah. For life. Um, and I really doubt anybody else in the group would say that either. I, I don't, I don't think any of them go, you know, I always thought I'd spend my weekends dressed up as Spider-Man. Um, it's just, you know, I don't think Katie ever thought she would dress up as Wonder Woman regularly, much less now where she has like, you know, 15 different Wonder Woman outfits. <laughs> so it's funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to be one of those like those things where like you you constantly want to invest in it and buy things that um like mm-hmm. different outfits and constantly want to revamp things. Yeah, um, me and myself, I have Iron Man, Batman, Deadpool, Captain America, Red Hood, Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, I think I have five different Spider Man outfits. Uh, I don't. I'd have to look. I have Moon Knight. I, I know there's a bunch more. I'd have to look through so all my stuff. You have a pretty good selection Space when it comes Ghost. to Halloween. Yeah, and actually, I don't go out on Halloween. Um, I, I kind of feel wrong doing that because my my suits are a little different <laughs> level than Halloween stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. I tend to either stay home or we go to the movies or something like that. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Seamus, for doing this. I really You're appreciate welcome. it. Yeah. All right. And enjoy. And if anybody wants to know about the group, it's League of Enchantment. Yeah. Um, Leagueofenchantment.org is the uh, website. Um, you can look us up on Facebook or Instagram under League of Enchantment. Okay. Um, lots of stuff there um, on our Facebook page. If you go to the videos link, there's lots of reading videos for kids. Um, one of my favorites is Spider-Man doing Arg, It's a Spider. We also have Thor reading It's Potty Time. So we do some fun <laughs> stuff as well. That's cool. Um, everything from like the Punisher, who our guy goes by Punisher because he makes goofy comments and jokes along <laughs> with his stuff, to princesses reading books and all of that. So there's lots of things on there. That's really cool. Um, and people can donate? Yes, they can. Um, on the website, there's actually a donation link. Um we do different drives every year. We have a gala that we host every year, which has become utterly amazing. Uh, this year it sold out three months before we had the gala, uh, 310 people, uh, attendees. This next year it will be even bigger. That gala actually helps fund the league, helps pay for all of the Christmas families we do- adopt, uh, pays for a ton of care packages for hospitals. 
Uh, we made 400 care packages like two months ago. We have like wow. 10 left. Wow. Um, we're going to be making, I think, about six or 700 more in the next two months. Wow. And those won't last long. So. All right. Well, I will put all that in the show notes. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.